This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Next, we turn to your money, and I'd like to welcome our trusted contributor, Mark Halpern, CEO of WealthInsurance.com. Mark is a certified financial planner, trust and estate practitioner, and master financial advisor, philanthropy. Hi, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me back, Libby. Okay, now, I think I've got your mantra straight. That when it comes to estate planning, there are three possible beneficiaries you can have, your loved ones, charity, and the government, and you can only pick two of those. Am I right? You're correct, Libby. Do you need a job? Because you've got it down pat. I've got it down pat. Uh, I still have a job, I think. Okay. So, uh, and apparently, you can use life insurance to make sure that more money goes to the top two. Correct. Okay. So before we drill down, I'd like to give the numbers because Mark is here. He can answer your questions about today's topic or about anything else in the realm of financial planning and estate planning, which are things most of us put off dealing with. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And Mark, Tell us a little bit about this life insurance. So first of all, you should just know, Woody Allen said something great. He said, the only thing worse than death is spending the night with a life insurance advisor. Okay. So it's not a topic we like to talk about. It's kind of icky, right? And uh, most people, there there are three kinds of people who buy insurance, Libby. Uh, Somebody buys insurance because they love somebody and, you know, they've got a, a mortgage, they've got young children who still have to be educated and they need it for replacing their income. That's probably 80% of the population. But there's another group that buys life insurance because they don't like the government having their handout after their death, wanting somewhere between 27 and 54% of their assets. So they use insurance as a way to come up with the money that's going to be necessary to pay those taxes so that they can preserve their estate for their family or for charities. And then the other type of person who buys life insurance realizes that we don't have a lot of shelters left in Canada other than your principal residence and your TFSA and maybe winning the lottery. Life insurance is part of the tax act and actually allows people to accumulate their money on a tax a sheltered basis and actually access it if they need it and also pass it along on a tax-free basis. Okay. So if, if you collect insurance, is that taxed? No, tax, uh, life insurance is paid out tax-free. Okay. And uh, people will generally have a named beneficiary on that as well. It's also uh, protects you against creditors because if you have a named beneficiary of a spouse or a child or a, or a charitable institution, um, it will be paid out tax-free. So imagine paying uh, for insurance for pennies on the dollars, right? To create these larger insurance dollars and have them paid out to people that you care about. And I think that comes down to planning though. It's not, it's not buying something as a transaction. It's not like here, buy this. This is what it costs. It really has to be part of somebody's overall financial planning to really understand what is their tax bill going to be like? Do they have enough money at 
at retirement? Can they give away money now to their loved ones? Do they have money available to give to charities? And how much never spend money do they have where really they're just paying taxes on that money? In other words, they're the custodian or trustee for the next generation. Can we use some of that money that won't impact their lifestyle right now and buy this tax exempt insurance to make sure that their estate is preserved? Okay. Well, I know that life insurance is a lot cheaper when you're young and healthy. And I'm assuming that by the time uh, most people listening today are thinking about it, they're probably not that young anymore. <laughs> so is can can anybody who is, say, in their 50s, 60s, 70s, buy life insurance and, and isn't it expensive? Yeah. So you're right. The only way you can acquire insurance is you have to be healthy, right? And then it's based on your age and your smoking status and whatnot. And yes, it becomes more cost, cost prohibitive as you get older. But the type of insurance that I'm referring to when it comes to estate planning is something called joint last to die insurance. In other words, it's an insurance policy that's purchased on ideally a husband and a wife. So in case you're paying much less premiums for it, but it pays out on the second to die of the husband and wife, which is when the taxes are due. So there's a, there's a significant amount of arbitrage in terms of the costs, because let's say they'll put two 65 year olds into kind of like an actuarial time machine and they'll put them down as a 52 year old male. So the pricing is only based on a 52 year old male as opposed to a 65 year old. Huh? <laughs> uh, I don't want to get into the weeds with you, Libby, but we can, you know, sort of offline. Okay, but I'm, I'm, I'm just curious about how a two 65-year-olds become one 52-year-old. Yeah, speak to the actuaries. They, oh, okay. They're the ones in the, the ivory towers who are, mark, you know, sort of masterminding all of the numbers in order for these types of uh, strategies to be still profitable to insurance companies and to their shareholders. Okay, now I bet that a lot of the people who are listening to this think... This is fascinating, but it sounds like something that's really not for regular people, but for extremely wealthy people. That is a great point. And people, you know, also feel that way. And that's why they don't have wills and they don't have powers of attorney in place. And they don't have a listing of where all their stuff is because they think I'm not Bill Gates. You know, I'm not Warren Buffett. But if you have any assets whatsoever, again, think of the costs that are involved with dying in Canada, right? There's expenses <laughs> called... Funeral expenses. There's expenses. See, of I'm laughing nervously. <laughs> yeah, I know. Listen, this is not a subject that people like to talk about. They'd much prefer to, you know, go for a tour of the Eaton Center, you know, or go on a double decker bus ride or go to a Jays game and get a haircut. But this dealing with taxes and estates and uh, inheritances and beneficiary designations. You know, people don't want to deal with this stuff. So the key that I feel that people should be aware of it is take care of all this stuff while the sun is shining. And there's a lot more options like life insurance as a way to be able to preserve what you have. I meet people, Libby, that might have, you know, a million dollar estate, but they don't realize that their family's only going to be getting half of that. So if there's something they can do now to preserve that full million by doing some planning, doesn't that make sense to spend a little bit of time on that? Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. Just a couple of days ago, uh, we did a story uh, again, and it was a survey from a financial planning company trying to get people to make financial plans. But it was talking about how a quarter of retirees say they have to live very frugally. Yeah, I would suggest that a very large number of Canadians have more month than money. 
Let's take that, right? Yeah. The good news is real estate is appreciated so tremendously. And if you're fortunate to own a house, you know, a lot of people might be banking on that as part of their retirement. Yeah, but, but where yeah, are you pe- going to live? Yeah, exactly. We can't, we see lots of condos going up, but they're expensive, you know, and to live in the city. So maybe you'll have to move out to Elliott Lake or Perth, Ontario or something. You know, there's some beautiful communities out there, but it really, each person has a unique situation. There's no cookie cutter here. So it doesn't really matter how much money you have. And, you know, I meet people who are worth, you know, $20 million who consider themselves poor. Because <laughs> they grew up Libby, you know, working very hard and they've still got those, you know, very conservative attitudes and they don't consider themselves wealthy. And, uh, you know, it's beautiful to meet those kinds of people. And there are a lot of them. But, you know, sometimes when you go through the planning process and you show them they've got more than they need. I remember being in a meeting with a couple who were worth $10 million and the wife turned to the husband and said, honey, we can go on that cruise. <laughs> You know, she yeah. was still yeah. feeling like squirreling away money. And that's why planning is so very important because what it does is it gives you the freedom to be able to do things and have flexibility and options that you might not be aware of. Okay. Now, I want to give the numbers out again before we go to break, because here's the question. So you're talking about people who do a plan and realize they have more than they thought they did and they don't have to be so worried. But I'm sure the other thing happens as well, where people realize that they have less than they thought and not enough. Yeah. How about this? You know, you might have a a mother and father and they love their kids very much and their grandchildren. And the last thing they want to do is not leave them money. So they, they're very tight during their retirement because they want to try to spend as little as possible because they want to be able to leave something for their children. Wouldn't planning there be very nice where, you know, if you got some, let's say life insurance in place, that would give you the freedom to be able to spend all your money and at least be able to have an asset left over for your family. So that would sort of give you that freedom. But, you know, there is concerns about running out of money and there are strategies with regards to CPP and OAS government benefits and being able to access equity in your house, for instance, all it comes down to Libby is planning. So reach out to a a certified financial planner, somebody who specializes in this type of thing, and they can help you to make sure that you won't run out of money. Or if you do, what options you have available. And we're talking about your money and the best ways to preserve it. And uh, Mark, uh, we just got an email from somebody who has a cottage. Oh, very common situation. Yeah. And they were asking, how would life insurance help me if I have a cottage? So just know that if if you have a spouse and you die, everything rolls over to your spouse tax-free. But on the second to die of a husband and wife, everything is taxable. Okay. And one of those things would be a, an investment piece of real estate, not your principal residence, but in this case, the cottage. Let's say Libby, the cottage you paid $250,000 four years ago. Let's just say it's grown to a million two hundred and fifty thousand. Not unusual. So you have a million dollar gain, which means upon your death, the government's going to want $250,000 of taxes. So how do you pay for that? Either you have the cash sitting around, the family has the cash sitting around, or they have to borrow the money. You know, who's going to lend it to them and you have to pay it back. Or unfortunately, a lot of times they have to sell the cottage to pay the taxes. And this could be a hereditary property that you want your, your grandchildren to have, or you can buy 
life insurance. Life insurance is really pennies for dollars so that the money is there to eventually pay the taxes. And in many times like this, Libby, the children, the adult children will actually pay the premiums on the insurance on mom and dad because ultimately now they're going to have the cottage without the taxes and they're paying pennies now for those premiums for the insurance that will eventually pay out. Okay, so they're buying insurance, but it has to be insurance on mom Correct, and dad. Correct, because the taxes yeah. are due on mom and dad, right? So insurance on adult kids and not on mom and dad, not going to solve us any situation. Okay, let's hear from Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Hi. Um, well, I guess I got two questions now hearing that. A ballpark figure on a, a 65-year-old couple that we're going to be insured, saying they're relatively healthy. Like, are we talking $50 a month, $500 a month, or $1,000 a month? Uh, I, I couldn't. It really comes down to how much insurance they're buying. That's number Let's one. Let's say five, $500,000. Yeah, probably cost. Again, I, I really don't know the answer off the top of my head. I should probably have that. But let's just say on a 65-year-old couple for a million and a half dollars, would cost them about $25,000 a year. So now knock that down uh, in a third, if you're talking about 500000 right? Mm-hmm. So it would be, let's say, $7,000, let's say. $7,000, that's not a bad, and that's all depending on their health, you know, if they're smokers or if they have any medical conditions. But that's a pretty small number to come up with. Imagine you're 65, let's say you're going to live for another 20 years. We'll give you 7,000 times 20. That's 140,000 to create $500,000 of guaranteed money that will be there without any interest rate risk or any market risk. That's a pretty good return. No, it is. Absolutely. But uh, two weeks ago, you were there. You said something about um, RSPs. Yep. Being able to convert the money out of there somehow into a TFSA and adding TFSA room. Did I did I misunderstand that? Or? Yeah, I don't recall. Yeah. I don't recall that. I was saying. Oh, let's hear Libby. What did you say? I said so. I've put you know my savings into RSPs, and I realize now, and to the you know and ignoring. TFSAs just because, you know, I've got extra money, let's get a tax break. And realizing that in retirement, it would really be not that I ever plan on retiring on we, having. We won't let you, Libby. Thank you. Uh, it, it, to have, you know, more money in a TFSA so that you have two streams. You have one stream that you take out and pay taxes on and one that you don't. Right. So look, TFSAs are great. Again, they're limited to only $6,000 a year. Uh, Bill, I think what you might want to know is let's say somebody has $500,000 in registered money like RSPs or RIFs. Mm-hmm. After the husband and wife die, the government's going to want 54% of that. So your 500000 is only going to be worth, let's say, 240000 bucks to your family. Wouldn't it make sense to take some of the money and buy a $250,000 life insurance policy so that your kids get all $500,000 as opposed to the government getting 250000 So that's no, all that's comes... Infor- that's information that it can use. Yeah, it's all, it comes down to planning. So if we can help you, yeah. please be in touch. And, and, and But do speak to a certified financial planner or a, a trust and estate practitioner, somebody who's got this information is well-versed on life insurance as well. Okay, thanks very much. Okay, you're welcome. Okay, there you go. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, and he actually said the information was something he could use. So we must be doing something good, Libby. Okay, well, let's hope so. Let's take a call from Alexis in Aurora. Hi, Alexis. 
Hello, Libby. Thank you for taking my call. And um, I do believe in life insurance. It is a very, I think, good thing to have, and it can be most helpful, as uh, the gentleman has uh, clearly stated. However, I have been uh, reading recently about a, a lot of life insurance frauds where beneficiaries are being changed when there is no spouse, especially targeting the elderly. Is there something that he may be aware of that he can tell me how you could get around that or what you should do? Aye, such a sad situation because, uh, first of all, anybody who targets the elderly, uh, there's a very, very hot place for those people in a world that I believe in. So that, that just aside, but it, it, it's very sad. And, and I really think that the way around it, and I haven't really heard how to deal with it, but is really to have a close confidant, right? Mm -hmm. Clearly, if you have a child, an adult child that's well-versed in stuff, that they should be involved with anything that you're talking to anybody about tax or, you know, investments or estate planning or insurance, they should be part of that. And if they're not available, if you don't have a child who's capable, then it would be great to have a, an advisor, a professional advisor, a chartered accountant, or, you know, your, your lawyer, somebody who at least should be able to, div, to be able to do the sniff test on anything mm -hmm. that's presented to you. But whatever mm -hmm. you do, never, ever, ever sign anything unless your family who is capable and, you know, and intelligent, uh, to be able to go through the pluses and minuses of whatever you're doing. Cause the sad yeah. part is, is that they're really focusing, I think, on, on, on singles and widows and divorcees, people who maybe don't have that exactly. sort of infrastructure. That is exactly right. That is, I think that is the big target. People who don't generally have someone there in their, in their court, so to speak. Um, and they are aware of this. And uh, they're undermining their um, ability to actually collect what is rightfully theirs by fraudulently um, somehow tampering well, with the beneficiary. Well, yeah, the, the, the other thing is, I mean, rather than, you know, responding to a cold call or a cold email, you know, this is a major thing, you know, buy it from someone you trust. And also yeah. make sure that you know, uh, you know, people sell services like you know how the person is being paid. Exactly. Yeah. I, I agree with all of that. But I think these people are targeting people that are with quite legitimate uh, known insurance companies. It, yeah. It's not like a you I'll know, tell you, somebody you know, you, on the phone selling yeah. them insurance. Alexis, okay. Alexis, I'm sure you realize there's good guys and bad guys, right? There's Absolutely. always going to be bad guys out there. And the saddest part is those bad guys ruin it for all the good guys. And then people I walk agree. around and say, I'll never collect on my insurance. I heard of some guy in mm. Albuquerque, New Mexico who had insurance and never got paid. Therefore, I'm never going to do it. So it really does come down, like Libby says, to really being with somebody with who's got a professional designation and making sure you have family involved. Okay. Thank you, Alexis, for your call. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting. We were just talking about scams in the previous segment and they come in all kinds of, uh, you know, and, the, and they're smart. They keep changing, but you know, the, the way to deal with this is deal with someone you trust. That's certainly a baseline. Let's hear from John in Mississauga. John, we don't have too much time left. Please go Hi. ahead. Hi, Libby. My question is, 
be it the Canada pension or the old age security, if one dies, is there a small amount of money that you receive from the government for uh, burial purposes? Yeah, we part of our wonderful country that we live in and we receive CPP and OAS if it's not clawed back is there is a death benefit of $2,500 that okay. each Canadian would receive. Now, it's a small amount, but it's still something that's better than a kick in the pants. Um, but Good, getting to your... You. Getting to your CPP, this might be something of interest to your listeners, Libby, that if they do have CPP, you know, you can delay it till age 70 or start taking it as early as age 60. But when you start taking it and you die, it's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. So, you know. Well, there's a survivor benefit. No, no, that's I'm, I'm not talking about a pension plan. I'm talking about CPP. CPP ends when you die and your spouse has CPP as well. So they're not going to receive anything. And what's going to happen is if you don't need that CPP for whatever reason, let's say it's just, you know, you're getting it, you're being taxed on it and you're reinvesting it and getting taxed on it again. There is a strategy using life insurance and using your CPP where your CPP can continue forever to your grandchildren or to your children. So it's something that, again, comes down to planning. Uh, Something that perhaps we should discuss next time. Another time. Okay. uh, John, uh, thank you very much for your call. Thank you. Okay. And uh, that's all the time we have for today. Mark, anything you want to leave us with? Well, it's, uh, as I said, the time to deal with all of these important matters is while the sun is shining. We all have incompletions in our mind, and we don't always appreciate how much they rob us of energy. So it's best to look after this. And I think I'm on next week as well. You're having me, and we're going to be speaking about philanthropy. Because, of course, as soon as December, most people, myself included, make most of their charitable contributions at the end of the year before they deal with their taxes. So we're going to find we're going to hopefully in you know help people understand how they can maximize their giving and at the same time minimize their taxes by being philanthropic and charitable. Okay, that sounds great. Mark Halpern, wealthinsurance.com. That's where you can reach him. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me again, Libby. Okay. That's all the time we have for today. Oh, and a program note. Jane Brown will be in the chair tomorrow. I'll be at a charity thing, and I'll be back here on on Friday. Free for all Friday. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.